Here I am, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Just by using my ears and listening, I get the sense that that song that we just sang is familiar to many of you. And I realize it might sound a little bit dated to the modern ear, but it is a song that continues to stir up something in many of us, a desire to hear a word from the Lord, a desire to hear God's purpose for us, His mission for us, His calling on us, so that we might be able to respond from the bottom of our hearts, here I am, Lord. I'll go if you send me. The song is based on two passages of Scripture. It was written by a young theology student back in 1979, Dan Shute, and he based it um, again, on two passages of Scripture, one that we just heard a moment ago, this passage from 1 Samuel. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel said, Here I am. But in addition to hearing the call of Samuel, we also heard the account of another calling this morning, the calling of Philip and Nathanael in the Gospel according to John. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at these two examples of how God calls His people so that you might have a deeper understanding of God's calling on your life. Let's start with the calling of the little boy Samuel. If you're unfamiliar with Samuel's story, I'd encourage you to read it. My prediction is if you open your Bible and begin to read 1 Samuel, it'll be a bit like opening up a bag of Bucky's Beaver Nuggets. I wonder if any of you have tried Bucky's Beaver. It's one of those things where if you start, you're not going to stop. You're going to eat the whole bag. You'll start out in 1 Samuel, and you'll get going, and you'll get to the end of the 1 Samuel, and you'll say, I, I can't stop, stop now. I've got to see where this story goes. And then you'll find yourself in the 2 Samuel, and you'll just keep going. Um, but there are three points that I want to highlight from this page-turner of a story, um, and in particular on the calling of the little boy Samuel. First, God has a calling for you. Second, discerning the specifics of God's call is not always straightforward. Third, even when the specifics of God's calling are unclear, we can always respond, here I am, to God's universal calling on all his people. So first, God has a calling for you. Now, anytime a preacher preaches a sermon, he is hoping deep down inside that his sermon will do something. And what this preacher is hoping this sermon will do is to squash, destroy, stamp out a misconception. A misconception that's a bit like the mythical creature Hydra. Do you all remember that creature um, from your reading of um, mythology, it, it's that monster where every time you cut off its head, two appear in its place. Well, every time a minister tries to cut off the head of this misconception, it seems like two more heads appear in its place. So my prayer is, Lord, let this sermon be like the burning torch of Hercules and cauterize the decapitated neck of this misconception. And here it is. It's the misconception that the only people who are truly called by God are priests monks, nuns, and foreign missionaries. Everybody else just has a job. That's a misconception. 
In fact, that's a lie from the enemy. Friends, God has a call on your life. And you have a responsibility, a holy responsibility, to discern his call, to listen for it, to pray for it, to tune your ear to it. Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, I understand it's easier for us to conceive of God's calling in terms of ordained ministry. Um, After all, ordained ministers are those people who do all that God stuff, all that churchy stuff. But guess what ordained ministers don't do? Much of anything of consequence out there. What we need is a biblical imagination for what God wants to do in and through his people, in and through you, out there, in the world. We need a biblical imagination that will enable us to see our Monday through Saturday lives in terms of God's call to ministry. This Christian, our, our Christmas rather, our daughter, um, asks for one of those uh, barber coats. You know, the English barber coats, very popular for Christmas. And when she opened it up, she was delighted and pulled out the coat and she was inspecting it to make sure that it would fit. And, And she looked at the back of the coat and she read that tag that's sewn in the back of every barber coat. I'm sure many of you have seen it. The tag that reads, by appointment from Her Majesty the Queen. Now, I don't know if there is any difference between the barber coat factory in England and some other coat factory here in America, but I would like to think that there's got to be some level of pride, dignity, and purpose that comes from knowing that you are doing something which has a royal blessing upon it by appointment to Her Majesty the Queen. Well, to be a Christian is to understand that whatever we do Monday through Friday, whatever we do on Saturday and, yes, Sunday, we do by appointment to His Majesty, the King, the Lord God of hosts. Friends, you are called by the very same God and Father who called out in the middle of the night, Samuel, Samuel. And for this reason, there ought to be a profound difference between the person who knows that he has been called by God and the person who does not. For example, people, you know, I don't know why, people love to tell lawyer jokes. But I thank God for lawyers who understand that they are working by appointment to His Majesty the King. I thank God for lawyers who are doing their absolute best to try and bring God's justice into whatever situation meets them on Monday morning. I thank God for Christian teachers who start their day with prayer. Heavenly Father, please use me in the lives of my students today. Please show me how to encourage the faith of those students of mine who are Christians. And please show me how to to shine your light through me so that those students who don't know you might be drawn in, catching a glimpse of you, drawn into a relationship with you. I thank God for a Christian contractor who prays, Lord, when I go out in the work site today with all those rough and tumble men who've been doing God knows what the night before, please open a door for me to witness about you, to witness to these guys who are living a tough life. Lord, help me to bless them. Friends, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then God has a calling and a purpose for your life. 
Your job is to discern it, to learn how to listen for it, to tune your heart to the voice of God. Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. So you have a calling. But what is it like for most of us to discern this calling from God? Well, notice that it took a good bit of back and forth before Eli and Samuel realized that it was God who was calling. Friends, sometimes discerning God's call on our lives is not always straightforward. That's the second thing I want us to learn from this passage. Now, there are definitely some universal aspects to God's call that we'll talk about in a moment which can guide us in times of uncertainty. But as for discerning your particular role in what God is doing in the here and now, it reminds me, Reminds me of one of my favorite spots from childhood. Growing up, we would spend summers on my grandmother's farm. The farmhouse was up on a hill, and behind the house there was a pasture that led down into a little patch of woods. And just inside the tree line, there was this little bubbling spring. I, I guess all the water from that pasture probably drained down underground, drained down till it got to that point in the woods and where it bubbled up as a little spring. And it was a fascinating place for a little child. Because as you followed that little stream that began there in the beginning of those woods, there were times when it would go back underground and you had to keep going and looking and then it would come back above ground and then it would go back underground. Again, it was a fascinating place for a child. Friends, that stream is what God's calling is like. Or at least how we experience God's calling. We can spend many years wandering around the pasture of life, but then something happens, something catches our attention. God does something in our lives for the first time, and we, we notice that little patch of woods down there, and we step into them, and for the first time, we see that, that little spring bubbling up, and we begin to see that God has a calling for us. God has a mission for us. We begin to see God at work in our lives. We begin to hear Him speaking through His Word, or maybe through another brother or sister in Christ. And as we begin to discern his calling on us, it's wonderful, it's exciting. But then we go further along, and it's as if all that clarity just goes underground. And we wonder, where is my calling? But if you keep going, if you don't give up, what you will discover is that that calling will bubble up again further down the line. Sometimes it looks different. Sometimes the call, your calling will be directly related to how you put food on your table. If you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, maybe God will call you in terms of some aspect of your daily life. But sometimes your calling might be something completely unrelated. I was talking to a man back in the Narthex before we started who's been teaching Sunday school to fifth graders for a very long time. I'd say that's a calling. It's a calling. But sometimes that calling is going to be above ground, and you're going to see it, and it's going to be clear. Sometimes it goes underground. Do not be discouraged when it does. Now, we can get the false impression. When we read about God calling people in the Bible, 
We think that when God calls someone in the Bible, it's as if he gives an entire roadmap for his calling on their lives. And we think, man, I wish God would make his calling that clear to me. But friends, that's not what it's like in the Bible at all. In fact, for just about everyone whom God calls in the Bible, there are seasons of doubt and confusion. From Samuel to Isaiah, from Peter to Paul, all of them experienced seasons when the stream of God's calling seemed to go underground. The only exception, of course, is Jesus. Jesus always had clarity about his Father's calling. But friends, for every other figure in the Bible, they all got off track. They all wandered off course. That's the case for everyone. So God has a calling for you, but discerning God's call on your life is going to be like following that stream. Sometimes it'll be above ground and exciting. Sometimes it'll go below ground. And you'll have to walk by faith. That brings me to the final point on calling that I want to make this morning. Even when the specifics of God's call are unclear, we can always respond, here I am, Lord, to his universal calling on all his people. All of God's people are called to do two things. We're called to take the light of Christ out into the world, to take the the, the light of God's blessing, to take the good news of the gospel out into the world. And we are called to draw the world into relationship with God and into relationship with his body, the church. Out into the world to take the light of Christ, drawing people into relationship with God. Now, we've been talking about the calling of Samuel, but we're going to finish here with the calling of Philip and Nathaniel. Jesus approaches Philip and he says, follow me. Philip is all in. So he goes off to find his friend Nathaniel and he says, Nathanael, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathanael responds with that classic line, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's as if it's 1980, Apple computer is about to go public, and Philip says to Nathanael, hey, Nathanael, I can get you 100 shares of Apple stock for a dollar apiece. You want in? And Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Los Altos? Talk about an almost missed opportunity. But Nathanael is an icon for our culture today. Our culture says, Jesus, can anything good come out of Christianity? But Philip doesn't give up because Philip cares about Nathaniel. And he comes back with this perfect response, a response that you and I would do well to emulate. Come and see. Come see for yourself. Friends, even if you lack clarity on the specifics of God's calling on your life, we know what his universal calling is. Just as Philip went out to find Nathanael and to draw him into relationship with Jesus, you are called to go out and to carry the light of his blessing, the good news of the cross of Christ out into this world, and you are called to draw those who do not know him, those who are on the outside, in, into relationship. Let me close with a story. A friend of mine, I'm going to call him Frank, to protect the guilty. He had a roommate, we'll call him Jim. Now, Jim, the roommate, was a rough-and-tumble kind of guy. Six foot five, nearly 300 pounds. 
He lived hard. He drank like a fish. He loved to brawl. He would go into look for, you know, the kind of bar he could go in and start a bar fight. Before enrolling in college, this Jim had traveled around the country for a couple of years. He didn't have any money, so he slept on the streets of Los Angeles for three months. This is the kind of guy we're talking about. But in spite of all this, Jim was actually extremely bright. And he was a really neat kind of guy. Well, Jim and my friend Frank, they lost touch after college, but they got reacquainted some years later at the wedding of a mutual friend. And after exchanging some pleasantries, my friend Frank said to Jim, he said, hey, Jim, you beating anybody up lately? And Jim said, no, man, I don't do that anymore. Frank said, come on, you know you've knocked somebody out recently. Tell me about it. Jim said, no, I'm serious. I got saved. I don't do that stuff anymore. Frank said, come on, Jim, be serious. He said, I am serious. He said, come on out to the parking lot, and I'll show you. Jim took him out and opened up his trunk, and there were all his Sunday school materials. He started teaching Sunday school to his little Baptist church in Greenville. Frank was floored. He could not believe it that the man that I just described to you had had this total life change. He said, Jim, man, when did you get saved? Jim said, I'm not telling you. He said, you're a Christian. All those years we roomed together, all those times we spent together, you never once tried to share the gospel with me. So I'm not telling you. You got to wait till we get to heaven to find out how I got saved. (laughs) Jim was serious. Now, Jim has gone on to be with the Lord, but he never told Frank the story. And the point was not lost on my friend Frank. From that point onward, any opportunity he had, he was going to share the gospel. Now, knowing Frank as I do, I bet when he started out, maybe it was a little awkward at first, maybe he was a little heavy-handed at first, but, but he really got the hang of it, and, and in his own way, in a natural kind of way, any kind of situation you put him in, he's looking for ways to share the good news. Now, Jim was right to be a little miffed. God had called Frank, just as he calls you, to carry the light of Christ out into the world, to draw the world into relationship with him. I wonder if there might be any gems in your life. Friends, God is calling. He's calling you. May he grant you the courage to respond Here I am. Send me. Amen.